molestando con una vipa, me pregunta si te quiero, yo te digo que no estoy lista y no quiero comenzar. No hay nada que empezar. Yo te dejaré atrás. What is up everybody? It's your boy Luis Martinez, aka at Big Chief Burrito. And this episode of Mi Gente Show is titled Nuclear Power. What could have been? Felices fiestas, mi gente. Happy New Year. Happy Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, Festivus, Hanukkah, all the other ones, as well as for those who don't celebrate. Hope you guys are having a safe and prosperous end of the year for you, yourself, your family, your pets, etc. Mi gente show is taking a break until January 9th, our next live show. So we're catching up on some episodes that we haven't released. This is a really cool chat that we had with... Desiree Proctor and Erica Harrell. They are a writing team that writes for Lopez versus Lopez, and they've also written on a lot of other shows. And they were talking to us about the creation and the process it took to take this story that was inspired by their family's uh, Cuban heritage and living through the Cuban Missile Crisis of the 60s and how that inspired them to write Nuclear Power, which is... Uh, what if scenario, sort of a man in high tower type deal where they're picturing a world where the Cuban Missile Crisis ended with an actual missile strike. Big thank you to Barbara Dillon, uh, who I met at Comic-Con this year from Fanbase Press for putting this together with this team so we could talk about what it takes to create, fund, market, and bring to life a comic book um, you know, finding the artists, editing, the script writing, everything. We really went into details. Since Erica and Desiree are actually a writing team, and the WGA strike had just ended. We also talked a little bit about what the new WGA agreement means for writing teams like them, and we dip, we dig, we dug, and we dug into that a little bit. But mostly, we talked about the book, what it took to create, how they found the artist, and a lot of cool stuff. So, hope you guys enjoy it. We are gonna do some more cheese episodes that we haven't released on audio platforms that are gonna be coming up the next couple of weeks until we get back to our live shows. We appreciate you a billion for helping us reach 25,000 downloads in 2023 across multiple platforms, over 10,000 on Podbean and 15,000 across other platforms, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, um, iHeart, Pandora, Google Play, all the other places. Um, thank you guys very much. Make sure that you are subscribing, leaving comments, liking, wherever it is that you do find us. It helps us out a lot. Mi Gente Show is going to be doing some special events in 2024, more live events as we get closer to our 100th episode, more guests, more Latinx spotlights, more reaction to news and culture from a Latino perspective. This is a short episode, so maybe that's why I'm doing the intro a little longer. As you can hear, my dogs playing with toys and snoring in the background on Christmas Day when I'm recording this. Again, hope you guys are having a happy holidays. We love you. Thank you for supporting us. And as always, enjoy the pot. All right. Well, moving right along, we do have um, we do have uh, uh, our Latinx spotlight to go to today. So joining us tonight, 
Um, let me make sure I got their names right. We have Desiree <laughs> Proctor, right? And Erica Harrell. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Oh, I love how spooky your background is. Sophia. Thank you. Thank great. you so much. It is October. I was like, I need to spook it up. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Happy, Happy Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> yes. Thank Happy you so much for having us. Thank you for that intro. Thank you for yeah. being on. Did I, did I sort of get it right, though, in terms of like describing the book a little bit? How would you describe it yourselves? Yeah, we definitely describe it as an alt history take on the Cuban Missile Crisis set in uh, modern day. Like, what would the U.S. look like if the USSR and the United States had, like, nuked each other back in the 1960s in those, like, 13-day period? Um, Yeah, very uplifting story. (laughs) (laughs) Have you always been, like, a history buff? Or, like, how did you get to that topic specifically? Um, so both of us, actually, I noticed that, um, after us, you guys are talking about Florida and both of us are from Florida. Um, Desiree was more of a military brat, so she lived all over, but, um, ultimately her grandparents and great grandparents had ties to Key West. And then my mom, um, was from Cuba and, you know, came over in the like early sixties, like right around the time of like the Cuban missile crisis. And there was kind of a, a trickle down effect, even though I was born like generations later, there was still sort of this like negative connotation to like towards Cubans in Florida and, you know, people still kind of were very wary of, especially like communism after like the cold war and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So um, when Desiree and I kind of were coming together as writing partners, it happened to be like a topic in history that not a lot of people knew about, not a lot of people had really explored. And it was something we were like, Oh, this actually affected both of our families in different ways. Yeah, yeah. Like my mom was living in the living in Florida at the time as a kid when the Cuban Missile Crisis happened, and her whole family was just like, "We can't tell people we're Cuban. We gotta like like we're afraid for our life." Um, so that's kind of like so that was kind of a big theme in the story for us was you know like acceptance, um, overcoming differences. Um, and so that was like a big inspiration. And, you know, like Erica said, not a lot of people really remember that time period unless you were like alive back then. Yeah. When you'd say, you know, having to sort of uh, hide, um, your ethnicity, do you think it ever got to the point where it was, you know, came close to like Japanese in California during the, the second world war or did it never, or could it have reached that sort of level? You think uh, if, if there would, if that sort of uh, involvement would have continued? Well, I hope not. I mean, I do. I mean, even when we were living, you know, Erica, you have that story of like, there was that, that sign at that yeah. lake Tampa. Yeah, there used to be a very famous sign in this like small lake where people used to go swimming in that said like no dogs or Cubans allowed. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like forcible removal like they did, you know, with Japanese American people into, you know, camps and internment camps. It was, you know, I think there was just more um luckily the bombs didn't go off and there wasn't this like major crisis with Cuba at that time. So I think that like once that cooled down you know, tensions cooled a bit in Florida at that time and kind of, you know, um, eased up a little bit. And also like Florida as a place just happens to be like such a melting pot of Mm -hmm. not just Cubans, but there's Puerto Ricans, there's Dominicans, there's a lot of Haitians. That's just like a place where a lot of, you know, um, folks from the Caribbean ended up. And so I think that that also kind of like helped 
ease tensions in a way where it's just like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Latinos there. There's a lot of, you know, different. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was my favorite. That was definitely my favorite part of being in Florida was just seeing the mel- melting pot and so many different accents. Cause you don't get that here in California. It's all Mexicans. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it was very beautiful. Do you both still live in uh, Florida or? No, we're both um, in Los Angeles and uh, oh, we went to college in Orlando and then uh, moved out to LA um, to pursue film and TV. And, uh, you know, speaking of like lots of Mexican, lots of Mexican stories out here, it's like we're now um, co-producers and writers on Lopez versus Lopez for NBC, which is George Lopez's show. So, you know, we definitely get to play in that world, which is really fun. That's awesome. Wow. So did you guys meet, you guys met on the show or did you guys meet uh, previously? We met years ago. Yeah, we, we met going through going to the same college and then just being like moving out here and being nerds and going to Comic-Con <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> as, yeah, as fans. Uh, so, you know, comics was something that we'd always wanted to get into and we just kind of didn't know how to do it. We were writing TV and we were writing like video games and then DC Comics uh, ended up having this like comics writing program and you had to submit a piece of published work and so since video games are published we submitted one of our video games and that's how we got into the program and then like scott snyder like taught us how to write comic books um yeah so and that's how we met our artist lin yoshii who did all the coloring lettering everything for the book She's oh like a wonder kid. It's amazing. Yes. Spoiler, yes. Al- spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Show a little bit of the art that we got here, a little preview of it. Yeah. She was it's kind gonna... of influenced by like a manga style and she's a yeah. Japanese American, um, Japanese Hawaiian artist. And uh, she like, it, the book is so beautiful. Like the way she kind of just like did things in like the simplistic way, but also she changes mm-hmm. colors as the issues go on and, it just like it looks phenomenal, and she did the DC Comics Artist Program, like Desiree said, and we were invited to tour the DC offices because a lot of the classes were actually on Zoom, and mm-hmm. um, we went in and we saw her drawing of Wonder Woman, and we were like, oh my gosh, her, like her, she's got to be the one. That, like if we can work on anything that we you know publish on our own, it should be her, and so we were very very grateful to get her. Mm-hmm. This this looks awesome. like a scene from a few good men. You know, it's a very yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't handle it. I'm sorry. Um that that's well, pretty accurate, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um so I mean when you when you decide to jump into the comic book world, you're you know, you're you're writing TV for video games, etc. What is um I always, what is the, what is, what is, what is the thing you have to be careful of to not, for example, I um, mean, you know, cause the, the comic book world is so vast and, you know, so many different stories, so many similar stories have been told. How do you sort of take care to not be derivative to sort of make sure that you're telling the story in your own words? What, what did you guys, is it just, this is what we like, this is what we do. Or did you sit down and say, these are the steps we have to take to sort of avoid these pitfalls and, and to sort of, you know, feel clean about the product that we're putting out there. Yeah. I mean, we, um, I think for us, we tell stories that are, there's always some personal angle. And so I feel like that is kind of what makes whatever story we're telling unique. But I also think having uh, the collaboration of Lynn and Barbara and Bryant, who are publishers over at Fanbase Press was very helpful. I mean, since we're dealing with 
in the comic book, a lot of people with um, disfigurements and some disabilities, they, Barbara and Bryant, like brought in um, somebody to make sure that we were like, like sensitivity consultants uh-huh. that, yeah. sort of, you know, helped, you know, make sure that we weren't um, stepping on anyone's toes, like in, mm-hmm. in terms of characterization of people or, you know, and, and sometimes us as a writing team, it's really nice to also just have like that, as that partnership and collaborate in that way. Yeah. That's and if we ever got too crazy, I mean, there was one point where Lynn was like, this is too violent. I'm not drawing this. <laughs> and so what? we were like, oh, well, if Lynn refuses to draw it, we'll rewrite it. So <laughs> wait, I want to know now what was it? <laughs> now I want to know so badly. There was a scene where um, there was an explosion that took place and there was going to be like a, a lot of children killed. And she oh. was like, I don't want to participate in drawing that and we were like that's absolutely legitimate i mean Mm -hmm. you have to like research that you'd have to live with that you'd have to like you know it it takes Mm -hmm. you know for us when you're writing a comic like we can knock that out in a few weeks and you know kind of carefully go through it when an artist you know comes in they are spending hours and hours just maybe on one panel and so you have to like really also think about that um and Desiree and I were able to do the um, Marvel Voices, uh, Communidades, which was like their Latinx anthology. And so we were actually like, in that case, we were assigned a character that they had that Marvel hadn't really used a lot of. And she was a Latina from Florida. Um, and we were then were able to kind of expand on where she was within the timeline, but like work a little bit differently, like in that case versus doing our own comic. Oh, that's awesome. Well, absolutely. That's as somebody who's, um, you know, because I'm, I'm a, I'm a writer, PWGA, and a filmmaker. I said, Sophia's an actress and a writer as well. And sometimes I, I have, I, I have an idea for something, and, and I think to myself, you know, this might work as a comic book. You know, um, do you feel that um, this, I guess, is more like shop talk? But do you feel that 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 it's okay to sort of develop it in that manner? visually and that eventually will help you whether it turns into a film or a comic book or anything like that does do you think that helps flesh it flesh out the story or is a visually appealing way to sell a project yeah i mean if you have an idea that you want to turn into a comic i say go for it because it's at least with like the comic book space for us it was a way for us to express ourselves without like really, I mean, we did get some feedback, like you said, from Barbara and Bryant and Lynn, but for the most part, it was like, this is just our voice, um, you know, not getting like network notes or studio notes or getting something assigned to you. So if there's something you're really passionate about, like, I feel like there's nothing better than having like a physical thing in your hand that you can Mm -hmm. show people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it became, I mean, not just like we were like, oh, we're guaranteed to get work or something by doing this book. But it is something where if we take a meeting or if we go and, you know, have just like what, you know, in the television or film side of things called like a general, we can either pre-send them this comic as a PDF or we can do a follow up and be like, hey, by the way, we mailed you a book, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. a really nice, like physical thing that you can have in your hand. And um a lot of people are like, oh, whoa, like you did this, you know what I mean? And it kind of sets us apart in a way in, you know, the television and and film space too, because Hollywood is always always about like, what's exotic, you know? And it's, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even though it's like the Lopez versus Lopez is a like very traditional 
family sitcom, sitcom. you know, I think that our coworkers, when they find out that we write comics, are like, oh my gosh, like oh. that's so cool. And we're like, yeah. it literally pays nothing, but you- it is a passion <laughs> to do. Passion project. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Do you do you find yourself dropping some like uh Easter eggs on uh, comic books like nerdy things in, in your scripts uh for Ropas versus Lopez and have you done that in the past? <laughs> Well, I would uh, say in some of our TV shows, we've done at least, um, like, what, three episodes that center around, like, Comic-Con? We did a yeah. bird convention Ooh. and then two Comic-Con episodes. And, you know, in 13 Reasons Why, that comic book in season yeah. two that the kid's reading is written by us, technically. It's fake, but it's, it's fake. by us. Wow. That's a good Easter egg. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Now just just another one more shop top and we'll get into a little bit about the show. But in terms of like the logistics of the idea, because I mean as a writer, you think of the idea and then you you spit out, you spit out, you know, the vomit draft or what have you, and then you then you go right, you, you know, right drunk at it sober type deal. Uh <laughs> But, Tell us um, more about your process, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're learning a lot about no. you. <laughs> My question is, because um, you have it, you have it as a concept, right? You have the right. Do you have to? Um, do you have to trim? And then, if you decide that, well, we also want to sort of bring this back so that it, it has the possibility to be created in, in as a as a real show. Um, do you sort of save that in the in the back, or do you do you trim just for the for the panels? Or what's that editing process like for deciding what gets what gets on the page as words versus what you want the the, the artist to show in in visuals? Well, that's really interesting because um, you know Desiree and I would kind of have the script sort of in a Google Doc that we could you know both edit at the same time, and we would kind of give suggestions like, oh, this we would like this to be a splash page, like filling the whole thing with one image, or we want you know six panels. And we kind of did that. We sort of laid it all out. And then Lynn kind of would be like, okay, let me go through it. And she would start kind of pulling that apart and drawing. And then she would show us her layouts. And we're like, oh, we can delete a lot of those words. Like you got a lot of that emotion. You got a lot of that character. You got a lot of just like that action through her art. And we were like, great. Like we can take stuff and edit things out and pull things out because you don't want to like say it and show it. Um, You know, it's like one of the great rules. And like, that's what a really good comic artist can do is just like kind of take your thing and, and, and enhance it in a way. So it felt like it was like, we edited each other over and over again on a Google page. But then when you see it in a layout, you're like, Oh, take out some more, make it as concise and clear as possible. There was a few times where Lynn was like, guys, stop cutting words. I need words here. <laughs> We're like, but Get your pictures are so away. beautiful. <laughs> your pictures. It's just, you know, it's a silent movie, but in comic book form. It's, <laughs> it to uh, okay, right. Well, is there, you know, because I, I started uh, reading through like the first episode and, you know, kind of trying to get an idea of like the style and stuff. Stylistically, like you said, it's very clean. It's has a very classic feel, like old school, like comics and stuff like that. But it's a very modern sort of aesthetic and, and storytelling, you know. Um, what in terms of like your passions, like how how much like like how much time did you dedicate? Were you able to dedicate more time to it, like to to keep writing, like during the strike right now, or or, or how how much? Like is or do you just put it out there and like it's there? We have one now. Let's try the next thing. Or or how deep are you into this story? I mean, we 
for us, it was like we had to leave so much on the table. We had so many different ideas and storylines that we, um, you know, had to just cut out um, that we were really passionate about. And then we've also thought like, well, if this is what is happening in the United States, you know, what mm-hmm. happened in Europe? What happened in Russia? What happened yeah. in Africa? What happened in South America? Uh, what do those like areas of the world look like. So it's been something we've been considering instead of, you know, continuing the story of like Reed and Iris, um, maybe just going to another part of the world mm-hmm. and seeing what happened there. Cause what we're, mo- what we're most interested in is like, cause we looked at all the, all the maps. We did so much research of what would have been nuked and basically both coasts of the U S are gone. Europe's gone. What was called Manchuria back then was gone. So is Russia. So then does like South America become the world power? Yeah. Well, like sort of like Mm -hmm. South America and Africa would be sort of like the first world nations within this uh, who have very limited contact with what we now think is like America. And it's like, are they now in like an arms race with each other Um, Mm -hmm. and sort of like history repeating itself in like a bad way? But we felt like it could go on and on and on, but we were like, we're going to do, you know, this, these issues and kind of like tell this story and sort of like finish it and then, you know, see how people like it and how it sells and, Mm -hmm. um, and then either, you know, start a new project or, you know, stay busy and film and TV and doing that. Well, I I don't have enough color in my printer to print this out. So I would like (laughs) a physical copy at some point uh, when they they become available. Um, So this is sort of based on like mutually assured destruction, right? Whereas like, you know, but but Mm -hmm. it actually happens like the the whole reason you're not supposed to be scared about the bomb, be scared about the bomb. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And did you guys... um, Obviously, you have your 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 family's history and how they were affected by it to give you sort of like the real sense of how they affected your people. But did you did you dive into or revisit stuff like, um, you know, like the I, I mean, the biggest movie that I can think of is the Kevin Costner movie, right? 13 Days with the about the Cuban Missile Crisis and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Did you guys kind of dive deep into some of the films and books about that era? Yeah, we read um, Robert Kennedy's has a book called 13 Days, which I think is what that movie is based on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so we read his book um, and we we read a lot of books and just did a lot of research like that whole if you've read the first issue and the pages that you were showing, um, that was actually a real incident that occurred on the USS Randolph. Like that is an actual um, ship that came very close to um, being nuked by a Soviet submarine. And it was like one person on that. The Russian sub, right? That was like, no, we can't do it. Yeah, yeah. And so we are kind of like, when we learned about that incident, we're like, well, what if that one guy hadn't been there? Mm Mm-hmm. And then he, was in, he was in the bathroom real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's going on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the world would be so different. But see, this is why it's fascinating, the world building that you're creating. Like, yeah, I hope it has an amazing reception because I kind of want to see it grow. I do. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And like I said, um, the, the way I came across mm-hmm. this was, you know, going through artist alleys and small press and stuff like that. And, 
and talking to people. And basically, you know, we're me and this show. So we we were looking for at Comic-Con, we're looking for Latino creatives and Latino stories. And they're like, well, look, we got this and we got this. And I can put you together with this team and they're Cuban and Florida in the 60s and they have this whole story and I was like say less we got it yes, yes. we got yes. you we'll get you on we definitely would love to talk to to, to, to people that um, have different interesting now um, do you feel that um, this era this you know because it didn't happen obviously the story they tell them didn't happen but that the time period obviously was very turbulent for Cuban people you know Bay of Pigs invasion all these things happening mm-hmm. um do you think that that is sort of one of the key sort of milestones? Because when we talk about Latino culture, sometimes Cuban Americans are sort of brought up as some as as part of the Latino monolith that sort of lean more conservative, lean more to this side and that. Do you think that that's kind of where all this kind of started from? Obviously, you know. Oh yes, yes. Um, you know, I think Castro coming to power and you know, a lot of people because of that losing contact with their family back in Cuba. Um, there's a lot of like resentment and hurt and just like hurt there. Trauma. Yeah. You know, and a lot of, um, the idea of everything was taken from me there. And this is the place in the U S is where, nobody can take that from me and Mm -hmm. I better make sure that they don't. So that's why they leaned more into a lot of the like Republican conservative things, which was like originally their party used to be about having smaller, big government, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so it was like, you know, the federal government having less of an impact. And I think that was like a complete trauma response, you know, Mm -hmm. from what they had, at least in my family, you know, like what they had been through to be just kind of like, no, like the government has to stay out. And also just like, in some ways, sort of like um, a healthy distrust of the government is good. You know what I mean? Where you're just kind of like, yeah, what are, what are they actually up to? What are the things that they're like not telling us? But then of course now it's like that the party, the Republican party has sort of like twisted itself into like an unrecognizable monstrous right. form. Yeah. Well, I feel like they just, <laughs> they just, they, they want to, they want to scare the Latinos in, in, in Florida. They just say socialism. And yeah. They, they yes. just, they just, they just get that, that trauma response and they're like, Oh, you're right. Yes, we must, yeah. you know, we must not never again, you know, sort of thing. And, so I, I think it's, right. it's weird that it's still affecting generations later. Um, right. And it's sort of like the concept of like bucket crabbing too, in a way where it's sort of just like, well, we made it here, but everyone else out. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, we, we always talk about that, you know, like, hey, I got here. We can go we ahead can and close, close the door. Behind close the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're letting in the riffraff now. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I mean, I think even within Cubans that came prior to the Mariel boat crisis, and after the Maribel crisis, the own like a lot of Cubans on their own were just like, well, they shouldn't be here. Like mm-hmm. you know, like we we came legitimately, like we came on planes. Right. <laughs> and it's like what? <laughs> like yeah. you're they're still fleeing the very oppressive government. They're like, no, they're criminals. It's like so. Oh God, guys. Yeah. It's like the Argentinians that say we came on boats. You guys came from the jungle. You know. Uh, like, right. Relax, right? Like, look, the one thing that makes me sad about this is that, um, you know, Scarface doesn't happen in this universe because of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's true. I mean, that's, Travis. So, so that's, yeah. you know, other, other than that, I'm 100% on board with this. But then therefore Al Pacino wasn't cast. <laughs> Al Pacino wasn't cast. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. so you get, you get mm-hmm. some, you get that. Um, 
uh, can uh, so listen. The it's uh, where can people find out more about the book? And uh, I'll make sure that we have all the links and stuff on it. Nuclear power is the name of the story, uh, but where can people find mm-hmm. it? At nuclearpowercomic.com. Uh, that will take you to where you can buy all of the issues. Um, it's on Fanbase Press um, is our indie publisher. Uh, they're really incredible. They've been nominated for a few Eisner Awards. They have like impeccable taste, not just because they have our book, but they have um, some really wonderful books. One is called Kinsey. Um, We're going to have them on soon. Yes. Which, they're lovely. Yeah. They're lovely people and it's a lovely book. Um, and we're always like when we go and like sell at cons or, you know, at events, we're always like pushing Kinsey, um as another like Latino created property and, you know, a story that we also like really love. So I would check out all of the books that they have because they do a really great job. And Barbara and Brian are the nicest people in comics and the most like open, wonderful people to discussing, you know, like what stories they're interested in publishing and Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had nothing but great experiences talking with them, meeting them right away. They gave me their card. They're like, absolutely, we'll hook you up with some people. Um, we're definitely going to talk to the team from Keenset, but we really do want to thank you guys for coming yeah, on. Yeah, thank you if so I much could, for being here. If I could just ask you a couple of other questions really quick before we let you guys go. Okay. Um, you know, WGA strike ended a couple of days ago. Um, are you guys ecstatic, happy about the deal? How, how has that affected you guys recently? Well, we're still going out and supporting SAG. Um, yeah, still on the picket lines, you know, got to have a union solidarity, but yes. you know, I think we're both, I think we're just happy that it's, you know, winding down and people yes. are able to get back to work. Um, and not just writers, but crew, crew, yeah. um, even like the restaurants that. that have been suffering other small businesses that like rely on the industry. Right. It's a really big deal. And, you know, in terms of, you know, it was like, People are always like, well, yeah, but what are you fighting for? Is this really going to be a gain? And I'll say that you know, Desiree and I are writing team. Um, and in the WGA, that means that like we are two for one. So like literally when a studio hires us, they only have to pay us one paycheck and we split it. And oh, prior yes. to this strike, we had to split our pension and our health care payments. So Whoa. when we started on a show, um, even though it was 22 episodes long and almost a year's worth of work, we didn't qualify for health insurance for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Because they made us, you know, it make enough as individuals, but we were splitting everything. So they have changed that in this negotiation. It's a big deal for writing teams. And now we get full contributions for our pension and full contributions for our health. And, you know, I will say that that's a that's a really huge deal like for yeah. us. And, you know, we teamed up because, you know, we we love the same genres. We love, you know, like collaborating together we make we are stronger together than we are apart like all unions and um we do feel like you know that was definitely like a big gain and it's also like you know coming in and like being able to be a two-for-one helped us sort of get some jobs and um Mm -hmm. now we feel like we are you know equally getting compensated at the table oh that's amazing absolutely and we have to stay strong with solidarity for the SAG union and recently uh, I think video game or animation also went on uh, authorized a strike at video least. Game SAG for video games. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 and absolutely, you know, cause we, we know hundreds of actors here in San Diego and the fact that they were trying to get people to show up on set one day as an extra be scanned in perpetuity mm-hmm. is, it's just, it's just plain evil. 
Yeah. You know, that, yeah. Not, not even in an alternate reality where the bomb happened, do I think that people would be doing that kind of, that kind of bullshit to actors. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, uh, Erica, Desiree, thank you very much for, for coming on the show. Uh, we appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to us. We wish you the best of luck. We'll be watching uh, Lopez and Lopez versus Lopez. Yes. And, and uh, making sure. And, you know, if you need a, a cute podcast, uh, you know, episode there and you need a, a couple of actors, you know, we, right here. We, we know right here. Right here. We're, we're 90 minutes south. We can be there. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for thank coming. Thank you so on. much. Have a great night. Have a great you night. Guys have a good night. Yes. Bye. Thank you for coming on.